0: Welcome to New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit newhoperock.org. That's newhoperock.org. Oh, God is so good. What a wonderful time of worship. I don't know, is it just me or was that just, just such a sweet time in the presence of the Lord? Come on, so good, so good. Well, if you have your Bibles, um, I don't know why you're here if you don't, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> just, I'm just messing around, sort of. If you have a Bible, uh, open it up, or if you have a, uh, a Bible app or something like that on a phone or device, we're going to be reading. I'm going to read out of the New King James, and I'm going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to read a couple verses, and then we're just going to dive into this. Uh, I'm excited to be sharing what I'm sharing today, and uh, I was uh, uh, thinking about the Word and um, and, and kind of continuing off some of the stuff I, I shared last week. If you were here last week, raise up your hand if you were with us. Okay, so if you didn't raise your hand, then um, you can listen to it if you'd like. It was a, a, a message about significance and the body, being a part of the body of Christ, and I'm going to kind of do part two of that. And we're going to take it a step further and and talk a little bit about um, why we deal with these things in us or in the way that we do church as community, or not just necessarily in in church community, but in society and family and relationships where we feel or we struggle with this thing called insignificance, um, where we don't feel that we have uh, value you know, it's interesting to me. Like, I think sometimes we misunderstand the gospel, even the understanding of the story of Jesus, God becoming man, and uh, to save us, and and to redeem us, and to heal us, and to set us free, and to bring us back into relationship with Him. Sometimes we think um, that, you know, like, oh, we just we weren't worth anything, and we had no worth. So Jesus came, and I'm only worthy because of the blood of Jesus. And we have this idea. I've heard people say that, and I'm like, I remember years ago somebody prayed it. And I said, wait a minute. If, if we don't have any worth, then he would have never shed his blood. Isn't it interesting, though, like Jesus came teaching and revealing the heart of the Father. As a matter of fact, when he was talking about um, the Father and in the context of, uh, you know, he's talking about the look at the birds of the air. And he says, aren't you more valuable than they? And he says, the Father knows every hair on your head. He has them numbered. And a lot of times we'll look at those little verses and we'll think, well, God, yeah, he's omniscient. He knows everything. But in the context, what was Jesus talking about? Not about the omniscience of God, but about your value, about our value. And sometimes we preach a message and we call it the gospel and it's been twisted and, and the way that we see ourselves is reflected and we think that we have no value and it's literally the opposite. The blood of Jesus did not come to make you valuable. The blood of Jesus was shed to prove our value. The reason Jesus did what he did was to show you how valuable you are, every single one of you. And the way that the Father has revealed his love to us is in what Jesus has done. And I want to talk to you uh, about your significance. I want to talk to you about the significance, not just of a community, a body, but each individual person within a body. And one of the reasons, only one, I, I want to touch on uh, what I think is one of the reasons that we deal with this more often. And, um, and so let's start by reading 1 Corinthians 12. Are you all with me? Are you all ready? Who's ready? Okay. Okay. My preacher clock starts now. It's 12.06. Amen. Okay. I don't know what that means, but about 30 minutes is what it means. Okay. That was the introduction. Uh, First Corinthians, you know when a preacher says 30 minutes, it means like 40, right? Just so you all know, you've been around preachers long enough. Okay. You know, like third closing is the real closing, and then fourth closing is come up and do altar. So um, just have grace for me. Amen. Uh, so I'm going to dive into this, though. We're going to be getting right into it. I think you're going to enjoy it. You'll be blessed and encouraged. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read right after Paul uh, does this beautiful introduction, and he talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And how many know the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are mentioned here? Uh, there's nine gifts of the Spirit, right? Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, uh, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, um, tongues, interpretation of tongues, discernment. And we have all these wonderful gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to be manifested through our lives to edify the body of Christ, to build up one another. Um, and then Paul has this, this little thing that he jumps into and he, he talks about. Even our physical bodies are a picture of the body of Christ. And we are individual members of one body. And, And he even says, I love it in the message, he says, this does not make you less significant, but it actually makes you more significant. And I want to touch on this. I want to pick up right at verse 12. Are you all ready? Let's read it together. For as the body is one and has many members... But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. Verse 13. For by one Spirit, say one Spirit, spirit. we were all baptized into one body. Now, if I stop right there, we could actually unpack this and talk about the baptism of the Spirit. Now, the baptism of the Spirit... In the scripture could be differentiated from the baptism in or with the spirit. This is when we are born again, the Holy Spirit indwells our hearts. Can you say amen? Paul says the spirit makes us alive unto God. Uh, The spirit of Christ indwells us and we cry out, Abba, Father, Galatians 4, 6. This verse tells me that the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, is when the Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ and indwells your heart. Now, if I went over to Matthew chapter 3, this is a whole other message, but I'll just give you a little nugget here. Matthew chapter 3 talks about Jesus is going to baptize us in or with the Spirit. How many know that when you are born again, you are in Christ? the spirit indwells you that's what he's talking about right here and now we are in christ the baptism of the spirit then sometimes it doesn't happen in this order then a disciple or a pastor baptizes you in water right as you follow the lord but how many know and some of these sometimes this comes in different orders but how many know that there's also the baptism with the Spirit or in the Spirit, which is when you are endued with power and fully enveloped where Jesus then says, I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And that's when we see, you know, sometimes in the book of Acts, they spoke in tongues or or they prophesied or they magnified God. And this right here is a powerful verse of the Spirit baptizing us in Christ. Why am I pointing that out? Because it's how we become a part of... We, it's how we become the body of Christ formed together as a local church. How many know that there's a larger body of Christ? Over 2 billion people on the planet? Come on, somebody. The larger body of Christ is the body of Christ. But then we also have local churches that are bodies. That are a, a smaller body of Christ that reaches and ministers to the world around. And Paul is saying... It's by the Spirit that this happens, and here's what happens. Whether you're a Jew or Greek, slave or free, we all have been made to drink in one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. He says, when you are baptized in the Spirit, you were, the Spirit baptized you into Christ. But how many know that this doesn't just happen one time? When we are spending time in the presence of God together, we become the body of Christ. Matter of fact, something I'd like to touch on for a minute before I jump into this full on, worship the mystery of God being present in our midst, what we call the manifest presence of God, because how many know God's everywhere? There's no difference between the manifest presence of God and the omnipresence of God except that we experience the former. In other words, when you're aware that God is everywhere, you begin to experience the manifest presence of God. If there was a billionaire in our midst, which there may be, and he's handing out big stacks of hundreds, who's interested? If there was a billionaire in our midst, and he just sat here like he was the rest of us, most of us are not billionaires, so we're, you know, he, and he stood up and said, if I said to you, there's a billionaire in the midst, well, you, you might believe me or you might not. But if he stood up and said, I'm that billionaire, and he began to throw big stacks of cash, who would bum rush him? I, Jesus! No. Yes, Lord, my tithing is paid off all those years. Come on, just keep it real, saints. You know, y'all, you'd be like, I'm buying a house. <laughs> Some of you all have never spoken tongues, but that would get you speaking in tongues. Okay, praise breaking all. But if the billionaire manifested. We experience his generosity. The same with the manifest presence of God. God is everywhere. God fills all things. God's closer than the air you breathe. But when you posture your heart towards him, uh, when, when we begin to worship or we're aware of his nearness or we're aware of his omnipresence, we experience what's called the manifest presence of God. In other words, he begins to manifest. And, and so we experience his love. Come on, his mercy, his grace. His grace. And as we do that continually as a church, we become forged together as the body of Christ. It's beautiful, it's powerful. If we want to be a church, a people, a community that influences and and a church that evangelizes, and a church that loves the broken. Come on, somebody. And a church that that advances the kingdom. We should be a church that is continually baptized in the manifest presence of God. And so Paul is talking about this. He says the walls come down. The labels come off. We begin to see each other through the eyes of heaven. We drink of one spirit. We drink the wine of heaven, and we fall in love. We learn to love with the heart of God. We learn to see each other. You, you don't know this, but many times as I'm worshiping, I, I'm praying. I'm sitting right here, and, or standing here, and I'm praying. And I'll turn around, and I'll just, just take a peek at who's here. And I'll begin, some people I know, some people I don't know. I'm getting to know lots of people. Come on, somebody. And I'll pray, and I'll say, God, would you just give me your heart for these people So that I can see them with your eyes. And I will pray. I'll say, Lord, over and over, bless your people today. Because I want to capture the heart of God for the people I'm called to love. And that's what happens in the presence of the Lord. It's mysterious. It's mystical. You can sense the presence of God. You can experience. How many know it's it's about the encounter? There's a lot of encounters in this book. And it's wonderful to to read about all the encounters. But if you don't have an encounter with God, you're not going to be transformed. One encounter with God will change your life forever. And as we worship together, something mystical happens where Paul even puts it this way in Ephesians 2. We become fitly framed together. And we are now a dwelling place for God in the spirit. Not just individually, a temple of the Holy Spirit, but corporately together. We now Our dwelling place for God in the Spirit. And God is in our midst. And when that happens, and Paul says, listen, there's gifts the Spirit gives, but this is a very important part of it. Now, I want you to say this with me. 1 Corinthians 12. There's like 14 people that said it. There's more than that here. Let's try it again. 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm standing here for a reason, okay? The gifts of the Spirit. Say the gifts of the Spirit. And there's nine of them. And how many know the gifts are for you? And the Bible says the Holy Spirit distributes them as he wills. And come on, we're a spirit-filled church. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We need them. Uh, But we don't need them necessarily just for ourselves, although it is encouraging to be used by God. It is a blessing to, to, you know, maybe prophesy over somebody. But how many know the gifts are not for us to feel better about ourselves, but they're, they're supposed to edify people around us? Matter of fact, only one of the nine gifts... One facet of the nine gifts is to edify you, and that is your prayer language. But all the gifts are to, uh, to edify the people around you. But it's interesting, if we don't know our value and our significance as an individual member of one body, then we might find our significance in a platform We might find our significance in prophesying over somebody and praying over somebody. We might find our significance in a career or a job or a degree. Hello? And the Holy Spirit gives us these wonderful gifts, but they're not so we can feel significant about ourselves. They are to edify the people that are around us. Very important to understand that. Now, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the gifts that God gives us because one of the reasons... I believe we deal with insignificance, one of the reasons, is because we focus on one set of the gifts. Can I just take you through some scripture right now? You all ready? Yeah. First Corinthians 12. Thank you, Drew, over here on the right. This is the anointed section over here for some reason. I don't know what's going on, but so much presence over here. Oh, glory. It's like a cloud. I can see it right there. Show. okay. First Corinthians chapter 12. The Holy Spirit gifts. They're wonderful, aren't they? Who loves the gifts of the Spirit? Come on. Who loves that the Spirit of God empowers us? And, I mean, I I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for my prayer language. I mean, sometimes I'll run out of words, and I don't know what to pray, and I'll just pray in the Holy Spirit, man. And God wants you to have all the gifts. You can walk in all nine of them. He wants to give them to you and they should flow through your life as a believer. You can prophesy to dry bones. You can prophesy to the lost. You can uh, give people words of knowledge at, in the, at Wegmans. Oh, I love Wegmans. Such a wonderful store. Come on, shout out to Wegmans right now. Woo, glory. <laughs> and, and God wants to flow through us. But listen, God wants to flow through you in your flavor, by the way. He doesn't want to kill your personality. He just took away our sin. He wants your personality to come alive. God doesn't want you selfless. He wants you self-giving. A selfless person has no identity. A self-giving person knows they're created to love. And if we're focused on one set of the gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, gifts of the Holy Spirit, woo, we're partying down and it's wonderful, but there's other gift sets in the Bible. Did you know that? The next one I'd like to talk about is Ephesians 4. Say it with me. Say Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 4 is what we call the ministry gifts or the ascension gifts. This is where Jesus did what he did, died, was buried, rose again, ascended into heaven, and sat down at the right hand of God. And then the scripture says, Paul says that he gave gifts to men, apostle, prophet, evangelist, Pastor, teacher. Now, what's interesting is the gift giver, the gift is a manifestation of the gift giver. The gifts of the Spirit are manifestations of the unseen realm, right? The gifts of Jesus are just like the gift giver, incarnate. These are usually the hardest ones to receive because they're wrapped in human flesh. Let me just make a formal announcement. Jesus has given has given you a gift, and it's me. Yeah. Receive me with open arms, please. Wrapped in imperfection. Wrapped in mistakes. Wrapped in, I might offend you. <laughs> Amen? But Jesus has also given gifts to the church, to the body of Christ, to what? Equip the church. The word equip is a medical term. It can also be used in uh like an illustration to set a bone back in place crack ow that hurt but that's what i needed praise god and the gifts of the spirit are to edify the body of christ to build up the body of christ we experience the mystery of his his manifest presence and we know he's real and he's in our midst and someone has a word or somebody has a song but how many of i'm just focusing on these gifts and I don't have any understanding of these gifts, or maybe I don't receive these gifts because they're wrapped in human flesh. My understanding of Christianity may be limited to a culture that has no leaders. Well, I'm just led by the Spirit. Well, sometimes the Spirit, and a lot of times the Spirit, will lead you to be discipled by a person. Well, I don't follow Christians, I follow Jesus. That's my religious face. Well, if you don't follow Christians, then you don't follow Jesus. Because Jesus made disciples and told the men and told his people, make disciples. Men making disciples of men, women make disciples of women. Come on. It's not always gender specific, but how many know that Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So if I'm focused on this, I might not have an understanding of that. But how many know there's, a, there's kind of a, a healthiness of both right like people don't control us like yeah we have to hear from God ourselves and but if I'm over here and I'm focusing on this set of gifts my culture my understanding or way of life of Christianity I might I might I might do this I might say well God told me well that's great and I think we should all hear from God but if nobody can question our God told me then we've become our own God voice and we don't realize it but we've we're really operating out of insignificance. But if I understand that God's given gifts to the church to equip the body, leaders are important. How many know leaders are important? And we honor them, we receive them. Matter of fact, when when we receive a leader for the grace that's on their life, we receive that grace. Amen? Even wrapped in flesh. That is Ephesians 4. So you have nine gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom, right? Word of, faith, or word of wisdom, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. I think I got them all. Then you have apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Not everyone has that anointing. Jesus hasn't anointed everyone with that. And here's the beauty of this is not everyone has the same anointing, although the same anointed one indwells within us. In one sense, we carry the same mantle, but in another sense, we are all carrying an expression of the beauty of the anointed one, Jesus, in a corporate body as individual members. Tweet that. Okay. Third. Ready? The third one is the gifts that the Father has given us. A lot of times in Scripture, you'll see most of the time, Paul does it this way. If you see God, he's talking about the Father. If he says Lord, he's talking about Jesus. And if he's talking says Spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. If you took a notebook and went through the epistles, went through the New Testament, anytime it said God, you write down the, the verse, the Father under the Father. Anytime it says Lord, and you write down Jesus. Anytime it says Spirit, you write down Holy Spirit. You would see verses just piling up, and there is a distinction between the two. This is what we call the Godhead. In the Orthodox Christian faith, three distinct persons, one divine essence, oneness with distinction. And the gifts of the Father are listed in Romans 12. So you have 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and Romans 12. And in Romans 12, there are seven gifts, prophetic uh, leadership or administration, generosity, come on, hospitality. Ooh, glory. How many love hospitality? I'm hungry, so I do right now. These are gifts that the Father's given, and these aren't gifts that just like, oh, I guess I'll give this person this gift. They are intrinsically wired within the individual, and some people have more than others, and some people, they're they're prophetic. They're cut and dry. How many know that you might have somebody who is an administrator or a leader, and they're just wired that way? They might be a CEO of a company, but they're not necessarily an apostle or a pastor over a church. But God has intrinsically wired them to lead. And here's what I want to say. If we are just focusing on one gift set, what we may do is live out our Christianity and limit our actual expression of Jesus in the earth. If I'm just focused on the gifts of the Father, there's churches that do that. There's churches that just focus on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Swinging from the chandeliers, come on somebody show, Right? I mean, no one's really leading the meeting. Only the Holy Spirit's leading the meeting. It's kind of a Jesus suit because the Bible says, Paul said the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, the spirit doesn't just lead a meeting. The spirit joins to a leader and partners with their heart, and they lead the meeting together. That's why he says, if you have a word, take your turn and just wait. Don't think you have no control. I'm just being led by the Spirit. Oh, that says the Lord God. You know, Paul says, no. The Spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit empowers us to be able to wait our turn. Now, if we understand our significance, that is a lot easier for us because it's not about a solo solo. It's about a symphony where every instrument, sound, and voice has their place in the body. And when we embrace the fullness, we're not just stuck on one set. If I'm a church, if I'm part of a church culture that focuses on this, there's a, you know, open mic Sunday morning, right? It doesn't work too well in a large group. It's more designed for a home group or something. Doesn't work like that. Some anybody can walk in the church, just grab the mic and prophesy. That would be irresponsible leadership. Yeah. A church that just focuses on the gifts of Jesus usually will begin to embrace the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts of the Father. Listen in Romans twelve. So you have 1 Corinthians twelve, Ephesians four, Romans twelve, and Romans twelve. You have the seven gifts. The seven gifts are intrinsic to our DNA. Administration. Well, administration's not from. Yeah. Oh, we don't need structure. Yes, we need structure. How can you contain the new wine? Without a wineskin. skin. Seeker-friendly churches really function well in these gifts. And the seeker-friendly churches could really learn a lot from the Holy Ghost churches. And the Holy Ghost churches could really learn a lot from the seeker-friendly churches. I like the term Holy Spirit-sensitive and seeker-aware. And there's something beautiful about what Paul's writing here. And listen, every time, this is interesting... I remember studying this out years ago. Every time Paul talks about the mystery of being the body of Christ, he lists these three different gift sets the nine gifts of the Spirit, the body of Christ. Sounds like we're in a Catholic church, the body of Christ. Who was raised Catholic? You remember that? Ephesians chapter 4, the body of Christ is mentioned. And then Romans 12, also, the only other part time it's mentioned is in Colossians. But the mystery of individual members of one body. It's mentioned when Paul, in other words, we cannot effectively become the body of Christ if we're just embracing one gift set. There are nine gifts from the Spirit. There are the gifts that Jesus gives that are people to equip the body, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And then there are the motivational gifts that we're intrinsically wired in. And they should flow together like a harmony in us, through us as people. And let me tell you, sometimes we might elevate one over the other. You know, if you are on a platform, then that's where you find your significance maybe and it's like the apostle is the anointed one right but how many know there's other anointings and we all have a different anointing and I can tell you right now there are some hearts in the world that are so hard you could prophesy to them and it's like rain hitting fallow ground it makes the ground more fallow or you could have a preacher preach the most eloquent sermon pastor Zach amen and they could just preach their heart out and the people don't even respond but it doesn't matter because they're still going to preach guess what if someone has a real hard heart it might just become more hard but there are the gifts that the father gives one of them is hospitality and i'm going to tell you something right now none of those things might work but it might work where some little old lady has the gift of hospitality and she makes the best chocolate chip cookies in the world you th- i'm not even joking and you walk into the house, and someone invites you to their table, welcomes a broken person to their table, face-to-face and heart-to-heart, and that gift of hospitality. What does what that smell? Is that chocolate chip cookies? Takes me back to when I was a child. And how many know that that might be the thing that opens up that heart? One taste of that cookie, it's like they're feasting on the body of Christ. It's communion. Who's ever taken Holy Communion with cookies and wine? Sacrilegious. No, not me, ever. We have to embrace the fullness. One of the reasons we deal with insignificance, y'all, is because we limit our expression as being the body of Christ in the earth to one of the gift sets the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of Jesus, and the gifts of the Father. How many know we need them all? And when we realize that our value system might be stuck on one or the other, that we have actually not seen some people. Let that sink in. Honor opens our eyes to see the value of who somebody is. And when you don't feel seen, it doesn't feel good, does it? Especially if you've been hurt over and over and over again. Church hurt. And church hurt isn't just being a parishioner. Sheep bite too, trust me. Mm-hmm. Try pastoring in Vegas for 11 years. Mm-hmm. You just got to love and forgive and love people and. But how many know church hurt whatever it is like if you, maybe you don't feel seen well maybe well maybe our church cultures have been a little contaminated with this insignificant thing, and maybe what we need is to embrace the fullness of the gifts that God gives us so that our expression of being the body of Christ in the earth is not limited to one little thing here, one little thing here, but but it's expanded to God. Would you use every person in the body because every person in the body is significant many years ago before christ i used to party that's my confession to you amen we got bored sometimes um and uh because that never satisfies right and so we decided to swing off a roof we lived right by the las vegas strip which is all the crazy stuff happens right and uh We were going to swing off this roof, and, you know, it was just a rush. Like, you know, kids do stuff just for a rush or jump off a cliff into water or whatever, you know. um, uh, Hang on the back of a pickup truck on rollerblades doing 60 miles an hour. Yeah, I don't know why I'm still here. Thank you, God, that your hand was upon my life. Silly things like that. Um, And so we're swinging off the roof. We didn't have a rope, though, so we decided to use a hose. How many of you that have wisdom right now are thinking, mistake, red flag? And the hose was not in that great condition. Matter of fact, it had a few spots where it's like, that hose might break. Well, let's just duct tape it, (laughs) Uh, bro, right? Uh, Some of you all know I've, I've explained to you kind of my identity, my mistaken identity, you know, my identity crisis as a young man. I was like kind of a mix between... This, I'm um, this white dude with long hair and I'm kind of gangster. I'm kind of stonerish and I'm kind of skaterish all in one person. <laughs> if you could just imagine that. So that's how my friends are, right? One of my friends lived in South Central. He was like a gangster, like straight up. And then I had these guys that were from New York. Uh, they, they're from France. And so they're there and, and we're just partying, just being silly. It's my turn to swing off the roof. Woo. Everyone say My turn. I swing off, whoa, that's cool, right? My turn again, but we didn't just swing off the roof and then swing back. We decided to swing off the side of the house where there's a spiked, a spiked fence beneath us because it would be more of a rush, right? Right as you're over the spike fence, whoa, I hope it doesn't break now, and then you go back to the other side. So it's my turn, I jump on there, swing, I'm right over the spike fence, snap. Everything slowed down. I thought I was going to die. I'm like, I've seen this on a movie where the guy lands on the spike fence and it comes through his chest. Uh, sorry for the graphicness. And I was a stoner back then, so I probably would have been like, bro, smoke a doobie before me. I love you. Uh, and then die. You know, that's what I thought was going to happen. Everything slowed down. And for some reason, that didn't happen. I don't know. Maybe it was God. Probably angels. Praise God. I don't know. And for some reason, I hit my toe on one of the spikes. Then I, like, landed down literally, like, landed on my head and my neck. I try to get up. All my friends are laughing at me. I nearly just broke my neck and died. They're all like, oh, bro, right? Stoners. That stoner laugh. Anyways, okay. I get up, and I'm like, my neck is hurting. I'm like, oh, bro, I think I was like this for, like, two weeks, right? But oddly enough, I landed on my neck, but somehow I broke my big toe on my right foot. I didn't realize how important that part of my body was. I didn't walk for two weeks. I walked around with crutches. It hurt. I remember the Lord reminding me of this story. And I'm like, what's the point? Yeah, I was an idiot. Lord, you saved me. He's like, yeah, that was the point. But also... God says it's the same way with the body of Christ. Sometimes we don't realize how significant certain parts of the body are until they're hurt. And when one part hurts the rest should hurt too. And when we embrace the fullness of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of Jesus, and the gifts of the Father, we embrace a symphony culture, the beauty of becoming the bride of Christ, and we have a song to sing. And it's not a solo, it's a symphony. In other words, you have a sound, you have a song, come on, you have a voice, you have a poem, you have a gift. Whether it's preaching, prophesying, or praying, or making chocolate chip cookies, God wants your gift to come alive. And if we embrace what God has, for us, we will not limit our expression of Jesus in the earth, but we will become the body of Christ. And guess what happens? We love people into their significance. When we planted the church in closing, I should just wink and people. In closing, when we planted the church, we said, God, did you teach us to love people? God, like, I want to know what real fellowship was. And, you know, part of our cry, we were a little orphany. you know, like, revival! We need to pray a price for revival! You know, fasting! That didn't last long. I started feasting, and I saw more breakthrough. And God's like, stop doing it in your own strength, man. That's the way the Lord talks to me, bro. I don't know why, but. <laughs> Well, technically Jesus would say that, not the Father. So. We're like, "God, I want I want to see like we want to be the body of Christ. We want to love the broken, you know? We're doing outreaches and our first 6 months as a church, we grew to over 100. And I mean, like people were getting saved, healed, delivered. One outreach, we had 1000 people show up. Over 100 gave their hearts to Jesus. One Easter, we had a service outdoors. Over 500 people showed up on service, big amphitheater, and nearly 100 received Jesus. We saw hundreds saved, healed, delivered, the dead raised, prostitutes, pimps, I mean, you name it, people touched, families, marriages restored, hearts of the fathers to the children, children's hearts to the fathers. I mean, it was incredible. But but one of the most significant things that, that happened as we're worshiping together and just learning to love and becoming fitly framed together, families begin to connect to our body where it's like there's a bond that cannot be broken, a bond that says, I'm moving to the East Coast with you, 10 years of being a part of our church. I'm moving from Austin. I mean, it's incredible, like, what happens when you become the body of Christ. The way we learn to love one another and and we had youth group and it was in our home and, and youth was crazy because we didn't really know what we were doing you know and uh, we try to act like it sometimes and then God shows up which is the best part of it and we would meet in our home and we lived in probably like the most inner city part of Henderson which is where we were where our church was in the Las Vegas metro area and our home was walking distance from some of the government projects and and we wanted to invite all those kids like come into our home let's have nachos like whatever we're just going to invite you in and we would have a little message and 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 then we would just here's what we do we just made space we said "All right, now we're going to put on a little worship that's like music they don't know what that means and these kids were like okay whatever with an attitude you know we're going to put on worship and you're going to and God's going to touch you sure okay pastor we put on worship Bam, God crashes into these young people. They're on their faces for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, weeping under the power of God's love. We saw so many people get saved, healed, and delivered. This, it started with four people, and then it exploded to nearly 50 youth, and we had a church of 150. It was a genuine move of God. And we were just loving, just loving these kids. And one of these young men that got saved, you know, one of the couples that got saved, uh, one of the young youth and one of the girls who was part of our church, that became like a spiritual son and daughter. They're still serving at the Vegas church. They have twin boys and they're, they love Jesus, one of our worship leaders. And it's amazing. And it started like this young man just walked in and got saved. And one of these young men came in and got saved. His name was Laris. And Laris became a son to us. Laris was living with, I think, three of his brothers and his sister, and a stepdad and mom in a two-bedroom apartment. He didn't have his own room. He slept on the couch or the floor. They, like, rotated. And Laris loved coming around because he felt loved. Laris got in a little bit of trouble with the law and, uh, you know, just a rebellious teenager kind of sort of thing, and then he gets saved. And then he just becomes a part of our family. One day, he's at our house, and he's like, hey, PZ, you know, can I crash another day here? I'm like, yeah, man. Until one day, Rochelle looks at him. He says, you know, Laris, you don't have to go home. If you'd rather just have a room here and stay, you can stay. He ended up living with us for five years. Why am I telling you this story? Because this is what happens when we know the love of God and we experience it. We begin to pull people into the reality of that significance. Show that first picture. This is a picture of Laris. With Layla years ago, isn't that? You're supposed to go, Oh, Laris loves Layla. He was there before she was born. He protected her. That's her big brother. Laris is so woven into our hearts. It's as if he is my blood son. When we said goodbye, man, I was hugging him and I was crying. And I'm like, Laris, I feel like I'm hugging one of my blood sons right now. Because spirit sometimes is thicker than blood. And when you become fitly framed together, man, you, you experience the love of God. It's like nothing can break that bond. It's so beautiful. And that is what happens when we know we're loved and we become the body of Christ. This next picture was uh, my last time connecting with him. Uh, we had coffee. He's like, Peasy, let's get coffee tomorrow and just hang out. So we were reminiscing On the early days of the church plant, where he would get up with me when nobody else would, and he would help me load the truck and load the sound system, and we would set it up, and all the fun we had, you know, the late nights, you know, making chili at 2 in the morning because we were hungry. I mean, just he lived with us and did life with us. He saw the good, the bad, and the ugly and loved us, and, and, and he knows our hearts, and he knows who we are, and he faithfully serves at the Vegas church now, Um, I can't wait for you guys to meet him, but this was a moment that we got to share. And There's a few times as we're sitting there, you know, we're just thinking about the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And I'm telling you, man, when we just capture God's heart for people and we learn to love, it will change the world. How many believe that? And I want you to know how significant you are that God will take the solitary and bring them into families. And there is some solitary people out in the world in Rochester, in this region. There are some prodigal sons and daughters and we need to invite them in our homes. We need to invite them to our table. I don't care about stupid COVID. Now you might care, that's fine. Be smart, be wise. But don't let your wisdom just be a mask and it's really fear. We need to love people into their significance. And that's what I was created to do. And as we embrace the fullness of what God gives us, we become the body of Christ. How many say, I want to become the body of Christ? Come on, pray with me. Lift your hands up. Lift your hands up right now. Dim the house lights, please. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, I release the reality of the significance of every person in this room. And let me tell you something, church. Keep lifting your hands. As we worship It heals the body. Worship heals the body. Just like Mary breaking open the alabaster box at the feet of Jesus, she poured out fragrant oil on the body of Jesus. And let me tell you something, that fragrance was probably smelled at the cross. The, the fragrance of healing and worship is, is released, and it releases healing even in a moment of death and despair. And Father, I thank you right now for that fragrance of healing. I thank you right now that every person in this room is experiencing your love. And though they might have felt invisible, you see them, and you look at them with eyes of love. I know I'm talking to some people in this room right now. The Father looks at you, with, and he's gazing at you with eyes of love. You know, when I look in this room and as I get to know some of you, I'm like, my goodness, they're so amazing and anointed and awesome. The other last Sunday, Phil was praying and prophesying over people. I'm like, Phil, if you ever have a word for me, you better give it to me. Don't rob me. I said, let that prophetic river flow. You're such a treasure, man. What if we all saw each other through the eyes of heaven? Teach us to love, Father. Teach us to love and teach us to be the body. We want to love humanity with the same love that Jesus reveals. Let it overflow, we pray. Let it overflow, we pray. Let us know our significance so that significance can overflow to the world, around us, to our spouses if we're married, to our loved ones, to our families, and to the family of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. Our prayer is that you've heard a now word for your own life and experience the life-changing presence of God.